This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it wasn't supposed to end up this way. Welcome in. We are live here on this Monday and a winning Monday. It is all across the board. A sweep of every team in the state of Georgia, I think, won over the weekend. So it was an impressive weekend for all of us here. Uh, certainly welcome you guys in. Give us a follow on Twitter at Locked On ETL. Of course, I'm at Mark Zino. M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. Make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Give a thumbs up and a like to all the content there as well. Obviously, we got a ton to get to with the Braves, Georgia, and the Atlanta Falcons and a whole lot more. So, again, uh, let's just get right into it here. The Falcons yesterday uh, beat the Cleveland Browns 23-20. to And in reality, you know, it's a game as it unfolded that they likely shouldn't have won. Uh, and it's a game where you can objectively look at it and go, you know, uh, hey, uh, they kind of got lucky. There's an argument for that. That said, there's also an argument for, hey, uh, there's really only one category that matters when you win in, in, in the stat sheet, and that's the scoreboard, and they did that. Uh, and regardless of the reasons why, you don't have to apologize for getting a win. Typically, though, in a game where the other team has more first downs, is better on third downs, has more total yards, has more passing yards, more completion, and held onto the ball for 11 and a half minutes longer than you did, you're not supposed to win that game. <laughs> they are. Somehow the Falcons did it. Uh, and the Falcons did it because they committed to one thing better than the Cleveland Browns and their head coach, Kevin Stefanski, did, and that was running the football. Oh, by the way, you wake up this morning with the Atlanta Falcons as the fourth-best rushing team in the NFL, averaging 168 yards per game on the ground. The Falcons have a better running game statistically than the Philadelphia Eagles, than the San Francisco 49ers, than the Baltimore Ravens. Um, those are teams that you know, were really good in the run department last year and teams that had Super Bowl aspirations coming into the year. Um and the Falcons as well have a better rushing attack than the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills, two of the best teams in the league. So uh, what do you make of all this? Well, you make of it, and I'm going to go back to it, guys, and I'm going to say it again. You make of it that your coach, Arthur Smith, is really, really, really damn good. He is the only thing, the only, the biggest reason why this team is able to win football games. He's the biggest reason why they're 2-2. Two and two. And you could argue they should be 3-1. and one. But beyond all that, here is where coaching is critical, folks. And it's as simple as this. Marcus Mariota stunk yesterday. You don't have to sugarcoat it. He stunk. He was bad. Uh, and, and that's just being objective about it. He's an inaccurate passer. And you watch that repeatedly. Um, and yes, it's something that I've, I've harped on and, and hyper-focused on because I believe that it's, it's a problem. Um, it, it, it's going to cost you games at some point. Um, you know, Marcus Mariota this year has more fumbles, six, interceptions, four, than passing touchdowns, three. That's not where you want your quarterback to be after four games. It's a bad 
spot to be in. And I'll ask Arthur Smith about that today when I get out to Flowery Branch at the press conference. How concerned are you about that? How do, how do you fix it? You know, the ball security thing is is really an issue, especially in the fourth quarter. He's had a fourth quarter fumble in every single game this year. That's problematic. So he stunk, right? So he, you're looking at uh, it's the third quarter, and he throws an interception uh, at his own 32-yard line, uh, and there is seven minutes and five seconds left in the third quarter of a game that it is now 10-10, right? The defense holds, forces him to a field goal, and the Falcons get the ball back. What does Arthur Smith do? He ran on first down. He ran on second down. Got a first down. Ran on first down again. Ran on first down again. Run, 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 run. He ran nine consecutive times and scored a touchdown. That just says to everybody, guess what? I'm better than you. First of all, nobody runs nine consecutive times. Not unless you're running the clock out in the fourth quarter. Right? Nobody does it. That was on one drive, by the way, that ended up in a touchdown. That You almost never see that happen. And any of you who have followed me around this town for the last eight years, you guys know how much I love running the football and teams that do it really well. That's how you control a game. Guess what? You want, you want, the, you want the real kicker? After they did that and scored a touchdown, right? Cleveland comebacks and scores a touchdown. What do the Falcons do on the next drive? Run, 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 run. Four times in a row run until Marcus Mariota fumbled the snap. And that cost him, you know, the chance to, to go get a touchdown, ended up settling for a field goal. Um, but yeah, 14 consecutive runs, folks. That's that's just coaching. That's coaching, that's play calling, that's scheme. For you to be able to have that kind of success, running the ball that many times in a row and have a measure of success at it means you've outcoached your opponent. You've out-schemed them. You have something on your play chart that they can't defend. It's not like the Falcons have superior running backs. I'm sorry, Caleb Huntley, did anybody know? You couldn't have pointed out Caleb Huntley if he was on in line in front of you in Publix prior to yesterday. You had no idea who he was. All I did was finish the game, you know, averaging five yards a carry and 80 yards. Okay. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. So I, I don't know how to make it any easier for you guys. And I'll go back to this again and tell you how lucky the Falcons are to have this guy as their head coach. He is so much smarter than most of the other coaches in this league. And if you've ever sat around and watched a football Sunday, it's easy to see who the stupid ones are. And he ain't one of them. Arthur Smith is absolutely very, very legit. Now, what is he going to do about Marcus Mariota? I don't know. Uh, folks, and, and no, by the way, stop the Desmond Ritter stuff. It's not happening. As long as you're competitive and in games, it's not going to happen, period, barring an injury. If Mariota's healthy, he's going to start all 17 games this year. Unless they get to a point where they are eliminated from postseason contention somehow and they want the kid to get some reps. But other than that, it's going to be garbage time stuff. Or Marcus Mariota's fumbling issues and turnover issues become so detrimental that he's got to be yanked out. That's the only other thing. The stuff that I'm complaining about, the inaccuracy issues and, you know, even interceptions to a point, you know, it happens. I mean, 
most coaches have to learn to tolerate it. Remember, Jameis Winston started all 16 games for a team where he threw 30 interceptions. They were competitive and in games and almost made the playoffs that year. That's what coaches have to weigh out. So I don't think you're going to see Desmond Ritter. Why? Because this team is more competitive than anybody gave it credit for it, myself included. And I was somebody who said before the season started, I thought that they would be a lot more competitive than people were giving them credit for. All that put together, I'm just telling you that, you know, we need to we need to kind of understand that Ritter's going to stay on the bench, barring an injury, or play getting so bad that the turnover is getting so bad that they are costing this team the chance to win games. So until that happens, you can take his seven for 19 and two for nine in the second half and live with it. It's kind of just how it is. That's where where they are with Mariota. But two and two, chance to play for a division lead next week uh, against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who, oh, by the way, lost last night. Uh, and you have to be really happy if you're a Falcons fan. There's a lot to be happy about. There's a lot, a lot, a lot to be happy about. All right, we're going to get to the Atlanta Braves here and what they just did to the New York Mets in a moment. First, a word from our friends at betonline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You'll get reviews and news of every league, Major League Baseball, college football. All that stuff is up there right now. Again, of course, the NFL, you get previews of Monday Night Football tonight between the Rams and the Niners. You got NBA and NHL right around the corner. Combat sports, esports, even golf, all right there. Continuing to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information. That's been online. You can also get information on live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today and use your mobile device to learn about the action that is happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um I do want to get to the Braves, but first I want to get to UGA uh, because I think that there is a massive, let me rephrase that. I think there's a large overreaction to what we saw yesterday or Saturday rather and Georgia struggling again for the second straight week. Um, okay. You have to kind of go beyond the box score and dig a little bit deeper into the game to figure out why they struggled. Objectively, in this game, folks, um, if I told you before the game that Georgia would have twice as many first downs as Missouri, they would have 190 yards more than they did in the game, they would outrush them, they would outpass them by over 100 yards, um, they would hold on to the ball for nearly 10 minutes longer than Missouri did, you would have said Georgia wins this game by three touchdowns, four touchdowns, whatever it may be. Because that's exactly what the box score tells you. Where did the dogs go wrong? Well, they struggled on third down. They went four of 13. That's not good. That's not going to get it done. Okay. Four of 12, guys. Four of 13 is less than 30%. That's not going to get it done. And they fumbled the ball twice. And they had two turnovers. That's why this game was so close. They made mistakes. I said it before and I'll say it again. There is only one team in the nation that can beat Georgia. That is Georgia. That's it. Period. Now, does that mean they can lose a game somewhere? Yes. But it means they're going to lose a game because they're playing sloppy football. And that's what they did against Missouri. 
They struggled to get the ball into the red zone early on and had to settle for field goals. And uh, twice they settled for field goals in the third quarter, not putting the, the ball in the end zone. 28-yarder and a 29-yarder. You know what that means? That ball was on the 19 and the 18, respectively. That means they snapped it from inside the 10. Okay. Got to convert in the red zone. Are those things, and here's what you have to ask yourself, are those things all fixable? And the answer is yes. I don't think it's a scheme thing. I don't think it's a play-calling thing. I think they just didn't execute well. And that's something that Kirby has to, to, to put on them. Kirby has to get these guys refocused. Uh, and if they struggle again for a third straight week as they they play Auburn this week, what does it really mean? I, I don't know what it really means other than survive in advance. And I'll say it before and I'll say it again, that when you're the defending national champion, you sort of get the, the, the benefit of the doubt. You don't need style points. I mean, did we did we try to make Alabama several times over fall, you know, the whole dynasty fall because of some bad games and some big time losses? Sure. But I think that's different when you're talking about a dynasty. You know, when Clemson won its first national title, the following year it was, eh, who cares? You know, they're the defending national champs. They'll be there again. Okay. So I'm not going to over worry about Georgia at this point in time. They will put together a game where they go out there and they spank somebody. Let's hope it's this week against Auburn. Alabama did that this week. For all the concerns that they had against Texas and everything else, and it was like, ooh, maybe maybe there's some holes here. I was somebody doing it too. This doesn't look good. Doesn't look like the Alabama we, we see and know. And it didn't. They go out and get a statement win on the road against Arkansas, a really good team. And uh, they beat them soundly and covered the number two, neither here nor there. But, you know, you have to put all this stuff and take it all into account, folks. This is not um, – this is not an easy road for any team to try and repeat. So surviving and advancing and moving on should be more than enough for dogs fans at this point in time. Stetson Bennett isn't a problem. Uh, I don't think the offense is a problem. I think when you look at a game like we saw in week one against Oregon, how crisp they were offensively and how much they were able to execute Everything near perfectly, which is why they scored touchdowns on all seven drives. I mean, again, go back to what happened on the first two drives that they had in the third, or I'm sorry, the two field goals they settled for in the third quarter. Guys, if those are touchdowns, Georgia ends up with a lead in the fourth quarter, and then this whole thing looks a lot different and feels a lot different. But it should say something to you. That this team was able to, hey, guess what? Need a score here, go down and get it. Need a score here again, go down and get it. That's what good teams do. And I will say this, that I thought that I thought that Missouri did a huge, huge favor to Georgia in the second quarter of that game where they decided to settle for a field goal with three minutes and 16 seconds left instead of going for a touchdown. And I even tweeted, it was that's gutless coaching. You have the number one teams on the ropes and you have a 13 to three lead. The hell is an extra three points going to do for you? Nothing. Oh, by the way, you score a touchdown there, and that's four more points, and you're up 20 to three. Guess what happens? Yeah, what was the final score? 26 22. Would you lose by four because you settled for a field goal? That's loser coaching, folks. 100%. Georgia took advantage of it. That's why you don't give any extra opportunities 
to the best team in the country. If I'm a head coach and I go for it there and don't get it and I lose the game by three, I can live with it. I can absolutely live with it. You lose a game by four when you could have scored a touchdown that you could have won the game or tied the game, yeah. Put your head on the pillow last night knowing that you were chicken bleep because that's what you were. So Georgia takes advantage. But don't worry. I I don't think there's anything you need to worry about with the Georgia Bulldogs. They're going to be fine. This schedule won't challenge them. We could talk big picture stuff about what Georgia is and isn't and how much they're going to have struggles down the rest of the way, maybe against Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky, like that stretch down the last four games of the year or four of the uh, the final five. Worry about that in a couple of weeks. they got two more home games against Auburn and Vanderbilt before a bye. They'll get right. They will get right. They shouldn't struggle again. And again, the only reason they struggled with Kent State was a ton of mistakes, turnovers, drop passes. That stuff's got to get fixed, and it's on Kirby. All right, we will get to the Braves now. First, a word from our friends at Coffee AM, best small batch coffee roaster in America. How'd you start your day this morning, guys and gals out there? I started mine, Coffee AM. Come downstairs, drop the the K-cup right in the the Keurig, and uh, get my day going with some Coffee AM. Fresh, smells great, tastes great, because Coffee AM roasts and ships their coffees on the same day or close to it. That's how you know it's going to taste the way it does, and it's going to be fantastic. They have a wide variety of flavors and blends, coffees from all over the world. Check them out online at coffeeam.com backslash locked on, and use the coupon code locked on at checkout to get 15% off your first order of Coffee AM. I mean, they only roast current crop specialty grade coffee, and that is why theirs is some of the best on the planet, literally on the entire planet. CoffeeAM.com backslash locked on. Check out that full menu. Use the coupon code locked on at checkout. You'll get 15% off. Make sure you tell them Zeno sent you as well. All right. Um, I did not see it coming. Uh, I did not think it was going to happen. Uh, I was a doubter. You could even call me a hater. Uh, that would be okay. I did not believe for one second. Not only that the Braves would actually win the series, I did not believe they would actually sweep the series. And they did. Um, I thought the Mets were going to be able to put this thing together and come out on top. And uh, not only did the Mets, they didn't choke it away. It's not like they played bad baseball. They just ran into a better team. How's that sound? Um, Regardless, you know, what took place at Truist Park over the weekend uh, now gives the Braves the season-ending tiebreak. So, uh, the Braves need to win one more game and it's done. Uh, just you guys all know this by now. I'm telling, not telling you anything you don't know. Uh, they would have to lose their final three or f- two of their final three, and the Mets would have to win two of their final three to create a tiebreaker situation. Doesn't matter. The Braves get it anyway, so the Braves would have to lose all three. The Mets would have to win all three for the Mets to win the NLE. So what does that mean? That means we get extra rest time for Spencer Striders. We talked about on Friday, which is huge. Uh, and you don't have to play the San Diego Padres in the wild card round. That's what that means. So uh, this was this was a, a long time in the making. Uh, and I'd just like to shout out, uh, and you know what? I, I totally forgot that we needed to do this, but we're going to do it right now because I'm, I'm a little out of sorts here after everything that we've seen. I have to hand out shovels of wisdom to a certain group of people that pertain to the Atlanta Braves. So here we go. Brace yourselves, because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. 
Sorry, I probably should have planned better on that. I knew what I was going to do before I started the show. I totally forgot about that. So, uh, yeah, today my show was uh, a lot of Atlantic media. You guys remember when it was back in May? Uh, the Braves weren't playing well, and they were coming half games out. Uh, and, and there were people screaming, colleagues in the media were screaming about the Braves and how bad they were playing. Uh, one of my colleagues even commented on trading Spencer Strider and Adam Duvall back in early May because they needed to get better and fix things. Joke. Uh, guys, baseball's a long, long season, and nobody should be surprised that the Braves were able to come back and do this. Nobody should. Because again, what you saw in April and May from the Mets was the anomaly, more so than it was the Braves playing 500 to sub-500 baseball for the first two months. And the Yankees are another perfect example. 700 baseball for the first three months. What did they do? in the second three months of the season. Ugh. Back in June, that team was projected to win 120 games. They're not even going to win 100 this year. Baseball is a long season. And it's one of those things where the better teams will end up finishing where they're supposed to be. Now, does it happen all the time? No. But the Braves proved that they are a well-constructed team. They are deep. They have great starting pitching, um, and they have a bench that is flexible and makes them better. And they got a really good bullpen, despite what you guys think of Kenley, Kenley Jansen, who, oh, by the way, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, is definitively going to be closing for this team in the playoffs. You knew Schnitt wasn't going off. We talked about this. So the Braves are going to win the NL East, uh, and it was – Amazing to see how this whole thing went down. And I give a ton of credit to Snitker and the entire team. I, I, I just kind of felt like, as we've talked about it routinely, the one-two punch and the way it stacked up of uh, Scherzer and DeGrom. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. The way it stacks up and, and facing those two guys, the fact that they were able to, to, you know, get to DeGrom on Friday night, and I think they hit two solo home runs early, and, um, you know, it just... Mentally, they have such an edge over the Mets right now. And I don't think it's close. And I don't think it's going to get close. But this was so huge for them going back to back. If they would have lost this thing and went to the wild card, I would have had serious reservations about their ability to win the World Series again. Now I have serious questions about the Mets' ability to go to the World Series. Because I've always thought all along the Mets were the best team. I thought all along that the Mets were... Uh, a team that was really well put together and, you know, they don't hit the ball out of the ballpark a lot, but they hit the hell out of two out singles uh, and, and continue to move run, runners over and play station to station baseball. I think you saw that all year long. Braves just got better, man. That's it. There's no other way to phrase it. The Braves are better. They're probably a little bit deeper. I'd put the starting pitching right up there with the Mets. I think they are one and one a depending on however you want to look at it. But uh, beyond that, this is a team right now that is probably on a collision course with the Dodgers again um, to, you know, uh, decide who's going to go to the World Series. So, uh, and, and again, the bracket, the way they do it now is that 
the Mets would have to go to L.A. So the Braves are going to get the winner of St. Louis and Philly, which is a gift. Honestly, it is a gift. We're about reseeding in the playoffs later, but it's a gift. So there's that. All right. Well, it's a great Monday here in Atlanta. Uh, it is a great way to celebrate what a weekend it was. Braves will go wrap things up tonight in Miami. Got very little reservations about that. Uh, and we turn our eyes to week six in college football and week five in the NFL. Make sure you guys give me a follow on Twitter as well, at Mark Zeno. Don't forget, we are on Roku TV, Amazon Fire Stick. Download that Roku TV app, and I forgot to mention that earlier. Please don't forget to do that. Download the Roku TV app. Watch Locked On Sports Atlanta, all the shows here on the network, right on Roku TV as well. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, we're free on YouTube. And wherever you get your podcast, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back tomorrow with a Tuesday show. You guys have a wonderful winning Monday in the A. See you tomorrow. Have a great day. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you.